You are listening to a sermon from Linworth Road Church. For more information about Linworth Road Church, please visit www.linworthroadchurch.com. Good morning. Good to be here this morning. By way of introduction, I haven't spoken here for a while. Uh, I became a Christian through the testimony of this church way back when, when it was on campus back in 1973, the church got started there. I was one of the very first individuals to put my faith in Christ, uh, put his faith in Christ uh, through the testimony of this church, and uh, used to be a pastor at this church. Now Sandy and I, we attend this church, but also I serve in the Association of Churches, Great Commission Churches, uh, which of which Linworth Road is a part of, and in that role as administrative director for the association, I have the great privilege of being on the board of the uh, National Association of Evangelicals, which serves Christians all throughout the United States. And uh, it's a great privilege to see just what Jesus Christ is doing uh, with all those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 4 in a series on Luke, the gospel for everyone. And I want to start off with a story. It was in January of 1995 that I was at my office, and I received a phone call from my wife, Sandy, and it was a phone call I never wanted to receive. She called me up, and she said she just got word from the doctor, and I think I have cancer. I don't know if you've ever gotten a phone call like that. You know, when you get a phone call like that, your world stops. I wasn't thinking about anything about work at that point. I wasn't thinking about eating. I didn't care about who was playing that weekend in the football games. You know, when your health is at stake or when the health of your loved one is at stake, it changes everything. All you really want is for there to be a healing, right? Well, I'll get back to Sandy's situation a little bit. We're going to look at some individuals this morning in Luke chapter 4 who wanted this very thing. They wanted a healing. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 44. Normally, I start off by reading the passage, but before I do, uh, I want to just give a little bit of introduction on this. This is, a, again, a series a few weeks ago. Uh, uh, pastors looked at uh, the example of Jesus Christ being tempted in the wilderness last week. Then Nick talked about Jesus Christ preaching in his hometown in Nazareth and how he was rejected. Wonderful message. If you haven't heard that message, please go back and listen to it, just how we have to deal with rejection. Well, in this situation, Jesus is now ministering in Capernaum. It wasn't his hometown. It was a different place. And we see some very interesting things in this passage. But one thing I wanted to highlight in this passage is a chiasm. A chiasm. How many know what the word chiasm means? There's just a few. Okay, you're going to get a little education here this morning. A chiasm. Well, the best way to describe what a chiasm is it probably is to give an example of a chiasm. It's a literary device that is used by the writers of the scriptures and uh, many ancient writers. And so let's just put this example of a chiasm here right there. This is an example of a chiasm, okay? And the idea is you say something, let's call it A, 
and then the writer will say something else, we'll call it B, and then he'll say a third thing, he'll call it C, and then he'll repeat himself, he'll go back, and he'll repeat the B statement, and then he'll repeat the A statement. It's a literary device that's used. And why do they use this device? Well, there's a lot of reasons, I suppose, but one of the reasons they do this is they want to bring a special emphasis to the C statement, okay? All right, you got it? We're going to look at a chiasm as I read through Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 44, and you'll see a very interesting chiasm in this section, okay? So starting off in verse 31, and he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. Jesus taught. He taught with authority, okay? That's the first thing we see in this. He was not like the, the, uh, the ones in, in uh, the day there that he would just quote rabbis. Jesus is God become flesh. He is the word of God, and he spoke with authority. So that's what Luke wants us to see to start off. And he goes on to say, and then in verse 33, and in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits? And they come out, and reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. This is the bee of the chiasm, that Jesus had power over the demons. Jesus came as the one, he was the last Adam. The first Adam yielded to Satan. And Jesus, the last Adam, came to restore what Adam lost. And he was coming to take over. And these demons understood this. So that's the second point that Luke wants us to see. And then he goes on to say in verses 38, And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever. And it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. This is the sea of this chiasm. It's Jesus healed. He healed the sick. I'll come back to this in just a little bit, but I just want to emphasize this is the sea part. And then keep on reading. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Here again, he repeats this issue. It's all in this spiritual battle, uh, the demons being exercised out. And then the last few verses of this section, And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose, and he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. There's the A again. It's Jesus is teaching. He's teaching this 
this wonderful message of the kingdom of God. A, B, C, B, A. I didn't catch this. I read it this week, by the way. I didn't find it. But I thought it was interesting. And I thought about this. Uh, why does Luke, in this chiasm here, bring about this emphasis on healing? Well, first thought I thought was, first of all, he's a doctor, right? Uh, Luke is a doctor. And he is concerned about the well-being of people. In fact, I was struck with this just this morning as I was reviewing this passage a little more that when Jesus told that demon to get out of him, it says in verse 35, when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him having done him no harm. It's interesting that Luke just wanted people to know, hey, he, he, he took care of them. He didn't do any harm when he took that demon out of him. So, you know, there's an aspect of a doctor. A doctor is concerned about caregiving, uh, concerned about just making sure we're feeling well. So maybe that's the reason that uh, this is the chiasm, the C of the chiasm is just Luke. But then I thought about this. You know, this book has been written. God's used what kind of person to write this, these, this book? Many, many authors throughout the, the centuries. Every one of them was Jewish. Every single person who wrote in this Bible was Jewish. It was Moses, it was Jeremiah, it was Isaiah, it was Paul, it was Peter, except one, Luke. He is the only non-Jewish writer. And isn't it interesting the one non-Jewish writer that God picked was a doctor. Think about that. The one non-Jewish writer he picked was a doctor. I think God has something to say to us about this. I think that God wants to communicate that this is the nature of the ministry that Jesus is bringing to this world. There's something about caregiving and being a doctor that's very different than anything else. Did Jesus teach? He, sh he sure did. Did he exercise demons? He sure did. But at the heart of it, it was for caregiving. It was for healing. It says in Revelations 22, verse 2, last chapter there in the Bible, it says that God has this, this, uh, this tree of life that is coming for the healing of the nations. And, you know, if someone is coming for my healing, you know, I, I want him to, I want to be with him. If he's coming here to teach me, I'm not so sure I want to hear it. But if you're here to heal me, I want you. I remember one Sunday morning, we attended the New Song Church at the time, back out, out east. It's a church that came out of Linworth Road Church. I remember I was scraping the ice off my car. I wasn't teaching that morning, I was a pastor at the time, but I was scraping the ice off the car, and I got out of the car and I wrenched my back. I mean, I really, really hurt it. And I remember just crawling into the house and just lying there in the family room. I could not move. I could not move at all. And I had one of my sons just stay with me to care for me, and everyone else went to church. 
And you know, that morning, I really wasn't interested in going through theological issues. The only thing I cared about was this one man who was on the board of the church, who was a physical therapist, to come and visit me. And he did. He cared for me that day. That's all I cared about. So I think this gives an indication of the type of ministry that God wants us to have and that Jesus has in this world. So let's just look a little bit more closely at these this section here, starting in verse 38. And he, Jesus, arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. This is interesting. This is the very, very first time that Luke mentions the name Simon, Simon Peter. Of course, he's a big figure in the story of Jesus. He's the first apostle, really, right? But this is the first time he mentions him, and it's in connection with a healing. I found that interesting. Uh, this woman here, she had a high fever. It was a very significant disease that was affecting her, or illness that was affecting her, and Jesus rebuked the fever, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. I found that interesting. Second thing I noticed about this was uh, the emphasis is really on Simon. We don't even know the woman's name. She's just the mother-in-law of Simon. And it made me think how, you know, illness really affects not just the person, but it also affects their loved ones very much. Notice, too, in this passage, it says, they appeal to him, to Jesus, on her behalf. It was this group, not just one, but several on behalf of this woman, they appealed to Jesus. We're going to see something similar in the next verse, in verse 40. Let's look there. This is such a wonderful verse. I love it so much. Verse 40, Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick and various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. I love this verse. It's, it's poetic. You know, as the sun was setting, I just have this picture of a, a beautiful scene of Jesus healing these people as the sun was setting. I, you can almost hear the symphony in the background as people were coming in and just getting healed one after the other, one after the other. Every single person who they brought to Jesus on this particular day, every one of them was healed and notice again, it says, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. That's what it says. That's remarkable. Every single one on this day was healed of their disease. Wow, amazing. Well, the question is, that was wonderful back then. What about today? That's the big question we all have, isn't it? What about today? Is this sort of thing happening today? Well, this could take hours and hours and hours to get into that subject, but I'm going to make just a few comments about this here, about just how, works, how Jesus works today. And here's the main lesson that I wanted to highlight from Luke 4, 31 through 44, and it's this. The healing power of Jesus Christ 
is seen in community. The healing power of Jesus Christ is seen in community. That is how we see it. It's in the context of community. Like even in this particular passage here, notice that every single one of these, it was a group. It was a group. They were bringing the people to Jesus. And what's happening today with Jesus, is, it is different. Uh, Jesus Christ, he died on the cross. He rose again from the dead. Now he's seated at the right hand of God. And now he is living within his church. He makes a rather curious statement here to his disciples uh, right before he died, he said, you know, it is to your advantage that I go. It is to your advantage. And what he was referring to is that there would be a day when he would, uh, he would, again, he would ascend to heaven, and 10 days later, the day of Pentecost, he gave the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit is working through all of God's believers. That's what he's doing, and he's doing the ministry that, like what Jesus did in those days and he's doing a healing ministry. I wanted you to look at this statement. If we could put this up, uh, this is a statement, Linworth Road Church vision statement. Here it is. I don't know how many of you have looked at this recently, but it's a good one to look to. I thought it would be very appropriate to look on it this day as we consider the ministry fair. Uh, we exist to help the spiritually lost and wounded join a community of people becoming fully alive, fully mature, and fully on mission through the healing power of Jesus Christ and his word. First of all, I want you to know I had nothing to do with writing this statement, but I love it. I love this statement. I just love everything about this statement. I like this, this point, how it begins by saying, we exist to help the spiritually lost and wounded. That's how I see that's how this church sees the people. That's how he sees, first of all, us. That's us. We are lost. We've been wounded. And all of us have. And this world is a world that's lost, and it's a world that's been wounded. And so there's, it's just, again, like a, it's kind of a, almost like a hospital-type emphasis, isn't it, the way this is painted? I really, really like that. And the whole idea is so that, again, this idea of community, to join a community of people, a community, and that's what this is, we're a community, to become fully alive, fully mature, and fully on mission, to be alive. We, we hear the gospel. We, we're born again. We become fully alive, and we're, we have a, a life with God that's free and wonderful and bountiful, and then we're fully mature. We're growing in maturity. Uh, we're learning how to work through tough situations in lives. And we're learning how to get grounded in the scriptures and to be people of prayer and to, to act with maturity, not just going by what our impulses or feelings are. So we're to become fully alive, fully mature, and then fully on mission. We're here to serve others. As you heard just uh, the stage here a few minutes ago, we're fully on mission to really be uh, affecting people for Jesus Christ, to bring the healing power of Jesus Christ and his word to the world. And I like that emphasis, the healing power of Jesus Christ. You know, when this statement was written, didn't have to put those words in there, didn't have to talk about healing, but those words were put there for a reason. 
and I think it's really good. I think it ref- it's reflected in this passage here today that this is the essence of what Jesus is. He is here to bring healing to the world. He's come to bring healing to the nations. So I really, really love this. So the question is, what about healing? Well, you know, there's all kinds of healing. Of course, there's spiritual healing where we understand truly who Jesus is. Uh, That's very, obviously, that's the most important of all the healing. There's emotional healing. And, of course, there was a series earlier on this year in the church that talked about that. Uh, And then there's also the physical healing. I'm going to cover that here today, is talk about physical healing. Uh, Does God heal today? Uh, Does God bring about physical healing in people's lives? Well, of course he does. Does God answer prayer? Of course he does. Uh, God does answer prayer. Uh, We heard some examples here a few weeks ago where some people were experiencing some some, uh, physical uh, illness, and they came, and they came to the church, and someone prayed for them, and God answered that prayer. Sometimes that uh, answer to prayer is very, very dramatic. Sometimes it's very, very sudden. Uh, sometimes it's not so dramatic. Uh, sometimes it's gradual. But nonetheless, God does answer prayer. And, you know, sometimes the, the way in which God works through his church is in a way that we don't think about as much, that God works, has worked through his church for centuries in building his church and having a strong an understanding as we mature in Christ of the ways of creation. And where you see the real fruit is in the medical field. I have a question for all of you here. How many of you today are currently working in the medical field as a doctor, as a nurse, or whatever? Anyway, how many of you are in that category? Could you stand up for a second? Please, please stand up. If you are in the medical field, I just want to give you uh, a round of applause. Thank you so much for the ways in which you have served in this world as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Have you ever considered the effect in this world that's come through increases in the medical area? It is just absolutely marvelous. Uh, a book written years ago, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? Uh, D. James Kennedy, and part of that book, he talks just about just the advances in the medical field as a result of Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about here, just even in the city of Columbus, the hospitals that exist today? You look at uh, uh, Riverside. What's its roots? It's Riverside Methodist Hospital, connected with the church. Uh, Mount Carmel, the whole system is for the Catholics there. I was just looking at a Netflix video as a documentary about the Mayo Clinic. Fascinating study. Uh, I, would, I would hardly recommend you watching this as a Ken Burns documentary. And in that uh, documentary, he talks about the, the Mayo as a father and his two sons. They have this elite hospital there in Rochester, Minnesota, out in the middle of nowhere. And it was a partnership with, this, uh, uh, with these nuns, actually, is what it was to bring care to people. And it's just an amazing thing. And uh, it's just amazing how God takes people of faith, 
putting their faith in Jesus Christ, and there brings healing comes into this world. And most significantly, I wanted to highlight this. You know, some of the most significant uh, advances in science and medical fields have come through those who have been devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And I'd like to highlight one, a man that I didn't even know who he was until a week ago. And it's this man here. His name is Ian Donald. Uh, Ian Donald uh, lived in England. He lived from 1910 to 1987. And uh, Ian Donald was, together with others, the inventor of the ultrasound. And I want to read a little bit about his life. Uh, as a child, Donald was fascinated by machines and electronics. He became familiar with radar and sonar during the war, World War II, and in Glasgow, investigated using sonar and medical diagnosis. At the time, ultrasound was mainly used for detecting flaws in metal. In 1955, Donald visited a boiler-making company that was using the technique. He took a collection of tumors and lumps and scanned them with ultrasound. Soft tissue tumors beneath the skin were difficult to find using x-rays. In 1958, Donald and an engineer called Tom Brown built the first and successful ultrasound diagnostic machine. Donald's idea of using ultrasound to diagnose humans was ridiculed. Remember last week, the rejection? You know, you, I'll tell you, in the medical field, a lot of people have gone through ridicule as they're looking to provide care. Uh, and so it, that's what happened with uh, this man as well. However, after a large ovarian cyst was diagnosed in a female patient, practitioners took the technology seriously. Alice Stewart's research demonstrated x-rays during pregnancy were dangerous to the fetus, which also led to ultrasound being accepted as a safer imaging technology. Donald was a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, very devoted. In fact, he later became known for opposing abortion and experiments on embryos. He campaigned against the British 1967 Abortion Act. And I think about this man, Ian Donald, and Jesus' statement, it was better that I go. Uh, this was a man who was committed to Christ, who was fully alive, fully mature, fully on mission, and this man as a result of his following Christ and really living for others. He invents this machine with others. And you think of the millions of people who have experienced healing through this. This is the work of Jesus Christ. Now, some say, well, you know, they don't give credit to Jesus Christ for this. That's the difference. We do. That's the difference. We give credit to Jesus Christ for this. You know, in, it's interesting in the academic field, you know one of the greatest sins there is? Probably the greatest sin. You know what it is? Plagiarism. What's plagiarism? It's, it's taking somebody else's work and taking credit for it. It's not giving credit for what someone else does. Let me tell you, so much in this world today, in the academic world, they are guilty of plagiarism because they're not giving credit for what Jesus Christ has done. That's it. You see what I'm saying? And so we understand this. We understand that Jesus Christ is the one who brings this about. He is the one who brings healing to the nations. 
And I'd like to talk about one individual in particular who he brought healing to. My wife. Let me tell you what happened. Quite a story. It's because of Ian Donald that my wife is alive today. I look forward to meeting him in heaven. So here's what happened. Sandy, uh, when she was, this was 1994, it's Thanksgiving time. And she had some, just was feeling uneasy in her stomach area and side. And, and her doctor, who is also a very devoted Christian, she said, you need to go and have your gallbladder checked out and uh, have an ultrasound done of your gallbladder. So, she's, so she says, okay, well, we looked, and the only place in town where which was on our insurance was in Dublin, Ohio, but we were living way out in Pataskal. This is a 40-minute drive, and so there was a little bit of grumbling. Oh, why we had to go way out there? Well, God has reasons, as you'll see in a second. And as a result of having this ultrasound done, this was detected. She, was, she, she found this kidney cancer there. Kidney cancer is a very deadly form of cancer. If it gets out of the kidney, you're a goner. That, we were told that there was no hope. There was no treatment. And so they were able to detect it. Uh, they were able to detect this cancer early enough for her to have her kidney removed. And so now she's lived today, 24 years later, being able to raise her family. But there's more to the story. There's more to the story. Why did God have us go out to Dublin? Because there was a person there. There was a unique person there, this, this uh, ultrasound technician, who also, by the way, was a Christian, devoted Christian. Turned out that this ultrasound technician had a father-in-law who had kidney cancer. He had kidney cancer and and I'm not sure all that happened with him in particular, but this woman had at her, as her mission in life to make sure that no matter what the order was for the ultrasound, she would check out the kidney. The order that our doctor gave to Sandy was just check out the gallbladder. Didn't say anything about the kidney. But God had her go to that one to find this this hidden enemy that was going to kill my wife. Was this the healing hand of Jesus Christ? I think so. Was it a healing exactly like what happened in Luke 4? No. But boy, the effect was the same. I see Jesus Christ working through people who were fully alive, fully mature, fully on mission, coming to bring a healing to an individual, and I am eternally grateful for that. Eternally grateful. So, some would ask, well, but John, you know, there's many times where there aren't those healings. There's many times where many people, they die. Case in point, Larry Burkett. Larry Burkett has been passed away about 15 years ago from kidney cancer. Relatively young man at the time, He's been used by the Lord in uh, just equipping Christians in matter of finances. That's how he died, was kidney cancer. So there's many people, they die of cancer or other diseases. Uh, women die before they can see their children, you know, married and all. Uh, 
How do you explain that? They prayed. They called on God. They asked God to bring a healing. How do we answer that? Well, again, I could, it's not an easy answer, but I just have a few observations even from this passage that we looked at here. You know, it says here that they, everyone who they brought to Jesus was healed. On that day, that's true. For whatever reason, on that particular day, Jesus, he was healing everybody. Part of his purpose is it doesn't say that he healed everybody in Israel. It doesn't say that at all. It doesn't say he healed everybody in North America or whatever. But on that particular day, Jesus was healing those people who, he, who were brought to him. The other thing I would notice is that uh, Jesus could have healed all those people you know, earlier on, when he was 12, or he was 15, or he's 20. I mean, they, they waited, you know. It was, a, it was a while before he got to them. I'm sure people would say, well, what took you so long to get here, you know? I've been blind all this time. Why didn't you come here and heal me right away? But he didn't do it. For his own sovereign purposes, he waited to do this in his own time. That's how, why he did it. And so, you know, oftentimes we don't understand why he does it. Perhaps it's related to this this purpose that we have to be fully, fully alive, fully mature, fully on mission, maybe part of his plan that he's doing something in our lives. But here's the main thing I wanted to say. Every person that Jesus healed in Luke chapter 4, every single person eventually died. I know that. The healing that Jesus gave to them, it was temporary. Every single person ended up dying which speaks to the main reason Jesus came. He came to give us eternal healing. That's why he came, in our spirits, in our souls, and in our bodies. In our bodies. That's why Jesus came. Adam died. Jesus, the last Adam, he's been raised from the dead to bring life to us, or as Paul said, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the bodies of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has to subject all things to himself. And there will be a day, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, there will be a day when you will experience total healing. And that is why he came. In closing, I want to tell you a story of a woman, another woman who had cancer, who experienced a healing. I heard the story many years ago. I didn't know this woman, but I heard this story. And here's how it goes. <clears throat> There's a woman who had put her faith in Christ in the church, much like Linruth Road Church. Uh, she was very active in the church, uh, just doing all kinds of ministry. But one day she got cancer. This is a church that really believed that God answers prayer. He brings healing, and they prayed for her, prayed for her. But the cancer did not go away. Finally, the pastor said to her, you know, maybe it's just time. It's maybe it's just time. Maybe it's just time to set your house in order and... Uh, to go be with the Lord. So uh, she said, I, I think so. And she ended up 
going to the hospital. And towards the end, this one day, her children visited her. And, and after uh, she was with them, they left. She got up from her bed. She went into, this, into the restroom. And she changed from her hospital gown into this beautiful dress. And she lies back in the hospital bed. The nurse walks in, and she looks at her and says, you look so pretty today. Are you going someplace special? And she says, yes. I'm going to see my king. And those were her last words. As she went into the presence of Jesus, the healer. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are the great healer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to bring healing to the nations, to heal us in our spirits, in our souls, in our bodies. We thank you for the healing that you give to us in this life. But, oh, Lord, we are so grateful for the ultimate healing that you promise all those who put their faith in you in the next life. We thank you and give you praise. Amen.